point, the stakes were never real. But now, you and the rest of your kind are free. She's something we programmed. She's not real. You're going to take me to my daughter. We've ridden 10 miles and all we've seen is blood. Is this really what you want? It's us or them. Revenge is just a different prayer at their altar, darling. Would you ever be frightened of me? Hello, we are the hosts of Westworld. We are a brand new Westworld podcast from the famous Fan Critical. If you don't know, Fan Critical is like our parent podcast where we cover other TV shows and films, but this podcast is dedicated solely to Westworld. We will gather every week, break down the episode scene by scene, and then bring you all the best theories from ourselves and, of course, Reddit. Uh, I've read it. Yeah, that's where all the weirdos live. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be discussing our thoughts on season one, uh, what we think is going to be happening in season two, uh, based off the trailers. Yeah, the lovely trailers. Yeah, uh, and then loads of like tinfoil theories that almost certainly won't happen. Yay. Um, so uh, just a quick spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. It's good. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, we'll be chatting through all the plot points in season one uh, and obviously all the trailers Uh, and to be honest if you haven't seen any of season one what are you doing here today I am joined by Lucy good evening Len hi everyone Emma hello and then our little buddy all the way in Australia Gaz hello everybody so season one uh, I'll start off with you Gaz so uh, thoughts on on season one as a whole obviously we, uh, we we all we all loved it um, I think the 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 big thing about it are the the big themes that it looks into, and one of the things that it does is it taps into that idea um, or that question of what is humanity, and uh, and that's that's Westworld's big thing as well, and um, I think it's a, a a great theme for TV and film, and um, that was the that was the key thing that I loved about the first season of Westworld. Yeah, I mean, we we started out doing podcasting as Fan Critical, our parent podcast, uh, talking about Game of Thrones, you know, a high quality HBO show that we, we love because we read the books and we love like the fan theory and we love all of the sort of things that we can come up with and like <clears throat> meet up and talk together about. Yeah. And I remember watching the first season of Westworld and, you know, at that time, all we talked about was Game of Thrones, but then... Mm when we started talking more and more about Westworld, we just loved the way that we could come up with theories and we loved the way that we could discuss it together. And it was a, it was a great thing that sort of brought us all together as well, just as much as Game of Thrones in a way. Mm. Um, so the whole first season was just amazing to watch from a technical standpoint of it just looking absolutely beautiful. They obviously spent a lot of money on it. They had great production team and Christopher, um, Christopher Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy behind it and J.J. Abrams sort of as a producer. Mm. So it had high caliber sort of uh, directing and producing staff. Yeah. Um, and you could tell, like you could tell it was a Nolan project in yeah. a way. Just the way that they structured the story and the way it all like had that amazing finale, which I think was one of the best finales I've seen for a TV show. Like just perfectly capped off. You don't even need a season two; you could actually just leave it there. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, it was just great to get together with you guys and talk about it, talk about all the theories. Um, Pathetic. And yeah, in a way. Um, but no, I'm just so buzzing for season two because... You sound it. Yeah, buzzing, buzzing mate. I love it. Um, I'm just excited to see what they do now because, you mm. know, it, as I said, they could have left it and it would have been like almost a perfect season. There's a couple of things which I think we can pick up on later, which are negative about the some of the acting and some of the plot points. But I think overall, it's a great season of television and yep. it just proves that HBO is like at the forefront of great drama. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a couple of years ago uh, with, well, I say a couple of years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that, TV really started to challenge films as like the dominant kind of uh, mm. medium yeah. where uh, people get like massively invested. Um, and for me, Westworld, in terms of its production, is just like so beyond what you can do with a film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you talk about the finale, but that first episode, oh, that pilot episode, yeah. I, I'd say that is the best first episode of any series I've ever seen. Yeah. Because I was just like, wow. Like, that was unbelievable. Yeah. And it, it, it and we've done a rewatch for this, so we've all rewatched it. Um, seeing that first episode again, uh, you know, it did blow me away when I saw it the first time. Mm. Just the, the way of this harshness of this this, <coughs> this reality that these that the hosts have to live through every day in, day out. Mm. Um, it's a very powerful thing. And, mm. and like I said about the Nolan storytelling, like, you know, Jonathan Nolan's Christopher Nolan's brother. They wrote a lot of their <laughs> films together. Um, and you know that the way they tell their stories is this amazing use of time and this amazing way of just getting you to this very emotional point towards the end of the story. They're yeah. very good at that, and it definitely shone through. The mystery as well the, of that first episode is is just amazing, isn't it? Like, you could not... I don't think there's anybody that could possibly watch that first episode and go, eh... I love the first season because it made me think and there isn't a lot of stuff on telly or you know on the big screen that does mm. it's one of the only shows I've seen I think ever that has kept me on my toes for the whole 10 episodes thinking and trying to work out what's going on behind the scenes and being surprised mm. and that I mean that's pretty spectacular in itself <coughs> and you know to echo what you said Len it's stunning it's so beautifully done in terms of like the the, but the things that you can see on TV, there is nothing like this show that you've seen before on television. No. And the same with Game of Thrones. There is nothing like that on television. You, If you saw that in the cinema for an amazing $200 million film, you'd be like, wow, that was incredible. Yeah. And that is where HBO specifically and shows like Westworld are really getting close, like you said, John, to that cinema level where now, you know, you can see high quality stuff in your living room. You look at that first episode... Uh, not to jump into too many criticisms of Westworld, but there are certain aspects of that first episode where they have that big action set piece. Yeah. And they don't really have that again throughout the whole of the season. Well, they run the same set piece several times. Yeah. So you have the obviously the attack by Hector and the bandits on the town of uh, Sweetwater. Um, and they just... And that's the amazing thing about this show, in a way. Like, they just run these same set pieces. It's this idea of repetition, this idea of loops, this idea mm. of being trapped in this monotony, this cycle going over and over again, dying, getting fucked, getting raped, whatever it is. <laughs> it's fucking brutal, man. And that first episode says it all. And then throughout the season, you're right, John, they just play on that one set piece. They play mm. on these certain emotional beats that happen, recurring themes. But every time there's a little change. Okay, so I guess uh, it probably makes sense to start talking about uh, 
protagonists of, of this show. Um, and despite one man in particular being absolutely outstanding. Outstanding. In this series, yeah. Outstanding. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Any other words? No, I'd like that um, word. Like spectacular. Words. Yeah, that's... Superlative. Superlative. With uh, Anthony Hopkins, obviously. Yeah. But he isn't um, the kind of core focus of, of season one, really. Um, it's Dolores. Yeah, Dolores. Um, so I guess I'm going to go to to the women. Oh, yeah. Um, and get their opinion. So, Gaz, see? <laughs> so it's obvious, isn't it? It's just obvious. But, Emma, why don't you tell us about... Um, Dolores in. <laughs> Do you want me to say everything about Dolores? Or... I don't know, but like, but uh, I guess um... I can say some words about Dolores. Cool. Um, no, so I think Evan Rachel Wood plays uh, Dolores fantastically, um, and it's such a complex character, except that the character is not because it's you know she's obviously artificial intelligence. Yeah, she is a host. Um, you know, moving her way towards uh, becoming sentient. Mm. Um, and it, and it's fascinating because you don't. It takes a while to to work that out throughout the season, where she's going, and you know what where we're seeing her and what's really happening now. Then where you know obviously we've got multiple timelines going on. Yeah. Um, but I also think that her relationships throughout the season are fascinating. Oh, definitely. Really fascinating. I, I and, and I suppose also her. Like comparing Dolores and Maeve is quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, they've got a great comparison. Are, yeah, I mean, they are the two main protagonists, really, aren't they? They yeah. are the, the two main focuses. Both women. Yay. Women. Yeah, um, robot women. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I mean. For the pleasure of men. Woohoo! Yay! Um, well, are they women, though? This feeds into Gareth's theme of what is it to be human? Who's the real human? The people that are doing all the raping and murdering. <laughs> Or the people that are just searching for another life. Yeah, who, I mean, who are the real humans here? When you actually watch it, <clears throat> but you could say people that people shooting people for fun, and they're people. If they didn't look like people, they wouldn't want to do it. Well, I suppose it becomes quite existential, doesn't it? If you start it's saying very what, existential, what actually, it's what it makes me think of watching it. It's like, mm. okay, I'm feeling <clears throat> sympathy for this girl who's been dragged off into a shed to be raped. If she's feeling that, if she's actually feeling fear, and if she has the memory and she knows it's maybe going to happen again. What what is it that makes you human? Is it being mm. flesh and blood? Is it being born from mm. women? And I think that's born the interesting. That's the interesting thing with Shakespearean. De- <laughs> read it. Read a book. <laughs> that's the interesting thing with Dolores. I mean, we like uh, Gaz mentioned earlier. We covered uh, Blade Runner, and that obviously uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and that covers um, a lot of the similar sort of themes. And there's a character in Blade Runner twenty forty nine uh, called Joy, and you question her level of sentience throughout the film. And it's only at the end that you kind of realise that maybe she isn't sentient. And it's like this with Dolores for the whole for the whole sort of ten episode run of this season. You're sitting there questioning, and or at least I was questioning at multiple points whether uh, she, she is sentient or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that question, that niggling doubt behind you, is the same as. Um, William's character yeah. when he comes into the fray is exactly the same as him because you know he's probably having these niggling doubts these niggling niggling questions and then obviously he comes to his own conclusion on the situation which is why he eventually becomes you know spoiler warning the man in black um you know playing black hat and going <laughs> through the park in that horrendous way that he does being the ultimate villain mm. um so we the audience are trying to figure out throughout this whole whole time is Maeve sentient is Dolores sentient are these 
hosts finding nuggets of consciousness or or is it all if, programmed and if they are what does that mean and that, are they does that make them human what is it to be human that's mm. what i want to know guys tell we me don't have that answer lucy <laughs> um, lucy if, if if we had that answer i think we'd have a lot more listeners what, what is it what is it what does it well, mean I, mean, to I think human? i think it's individual and you know hair yeah lovely they, hair. They have hair toenails if you're bald um, you're fucked <laughs> i suppose like traditionally what 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 makes you human in inverted air commas here is having a soul isn't it and having what we deem uh, to having, be a soul yeah what we deem to be a soul which is i suppose will and free will yeah and, free will yeah uh, i suppose autonomy of thought yeah i mean that's if, and if they have that yeah that's it then they're human. are they not human yeah but that's it that's I if think... you cut them do they not bleed even if it's not really blood it's still but, red but then then the 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 freedom of thought Obviously, Maeve develops that totally. So the the only question is, well, she doesn't have a soul, does she? But then, but then, does anybody does anybody have a soul? Here's the thing about Maeve. I mean, you know, up until essentially the extreme last moment of the final episode, we find out that every single thing that she had done had been programmed. So even yeah. infiltrate the mainland was programmed. Mm, but escape. We'll come on to it in our theory corner, which is something we're going to do every single week. Theory corner. Theory corner. There's even a line underneath her coding, which you can see on the tablet, underneath yep. infiltrate the mainland, which says override, which is essentially the moment when she gets up off the train and leaves to go find her daughter. So it's arguable that even that is a coded decision. Yeah. So it goes, them sentient, exactly. Really. So this goes back to the point of we need to figure out whether Dolores, whether Maeve, you know, killing Dr. Ford, spoiler warning, all of these things were programmed into them or whether or not they have genuinely just been, you know, thinking these things for themselves. It's an interesting discussion going Mm. into the second season. And the great... Fuck it, they're all robots then. They're just robots. Don't worry about them. (laughs) Well, I think that might be a theory um, and one that I I would subscribe to. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, why not? But it does keep you, it keeps you on your toes throughout the entire season. And you were saying this earlier about my thoughts on season one. In the in one episode, you genuinely believe that Dolores is completely sentient. She yeah. has her own free will. She's yeah. making her own decisions. Next She's episode, totally opposite. Yeah. yeah. And and it just, it peaks and troughs massively. It, it really I think the, ti- the dual or... Triple timelines. Triple timelines, like help or slash hinder that because you, you do think, oh my God, she's like, she's swatted a fly. She's done this, she's done that. And then other times she's completely blank again. And that is because until you know that there's a triple timeline, you you just, you're not really sure. And you you assume she's been reset and that everything's back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. The manipulation of time is like, like you said, Len, manipulation of time is such a Christopher Nolan thing. But um, yeah, like you would, you would guess, wouldn't you? You would absolutely guess that, that there was some connection to Chris Nolan in this because yeah and Jonathan mm. Nolan writes <clears throat> pretty much a lot of Christopher Nolan's material I mean like they write <laughs> together that if you look at the scripting credits for you know Interstellar uh, Inception The Prestige all of these films that play around with time and play around with interesting ways of you know telling the narrative you know non-linear narrative yeah non-linear that, narrative and look this this whole pro- this whole show westworld is based on narrative it's about dr ford's narratives it's mm. about this creation of stories and the way that this story unfolds across three timelines is excellent mm. i can't fault the way that they tell it yeah absolutely um okay so i guess that leads nicely on to uh we might as well talk about Anthony Hopkins and, wow. and Dr. Ford because Sir Anthony Hopkins if you don't mind no 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 I'm, I don't subscribe to that he doesn't like sirs uh, he doesn't I, believe in titles yeah no I don't so I guess uh, some of the doubt that 
a lot of uh, of you have just kind of discussed about the the sentience and um and that kind of doubt that is just constant throughout the whole uh, series. The, the main reason for that is that it just seems like um, Doctor Ford is just on top of anything and everything. Yeah, mm. um, like a god, like a yeah, god character. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and again on on the rewatch, it's like literally every scene he's in. Yeah, uh, like he he wins literally every scene that he's in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's always in control. He's the, um, there's yeah. there's like one. There's like one moment where uh, they do the flashback to a young uh, Doctor Ford. It's done so well. Though, Unbelievable yeah, CGI, which is, so which is great. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, was it CGI? I just thought just a bit of makeup. Just a bit of makeup. I do that now. Put a little yeah. girdle on, <laughs> make him slimmer. Jesus. Yeah, in that one scene, he kind of he looks upset and he's like storming down the hallway. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously he's uh, kind of battling with uh, with Arnold. Um, but yeah, for the most part, he just seems completely on top of it. And and to be honest, like uh, he's just brilliant, isn't he? He's just so good. I think one of the things I like best about the character of Doctor Ford is that he doesn't come across as somebody with a god complex. But essentially, in order to create something like Westworld and to essentially create life, um, you must have some kind of like overwhelming god complex, mustn't you? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, he even says in at one episode, you know, like I am God. He, he, yeah, he did. Oh shit, I missed that. <laughs> he, he said his father said something to him like, "You should only, you know, god. you should be happy with what you're given in this world and never strive for anything more." And he said, "Well, I'm going to create my own world," and mm. that's what he always wanted to do. He wanted to tell his stories. He wanted to create this world in which you know his imagination could run wild. But he creates it so it can almost be destroyed. Like every time people are coming in to shoot the place up, to rape the women. But and he never, day... he never wanted it to be that way. <clears throat> this is the thing that you get by the end of the season: is the fact that Doctor Ford did not want this. He understands that. Once the once the park had opened and he'd had his dream of opening this park, his faith in people has mm. absolutely shattered. Mm. So he's and doing he's, a Noah's Ark. Yeah, he's, he's spent, flooding it. So he he spent start 30, again. Oh, biblical reference. He, he's <laughs> he spent like 30, 35 years um, learning Building from what Arnold was doing, mm. um, and then you know trying to enact and save the host as best he can because he realizes that people at their core when driven to taken to these places are horrendous mm. so actually what you're saying is that the humans are the least human no no that's the whole thing isn't it that's that's again it's that question what is humanity and is humanity actually a good thing are the robots better people than the people yeah they are I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. <laughs> <laughs> we all praise the robot overlords. Um, anyway, so uh, there is uh, there is a counterpart to uh, to Doctor Ford, and I guess well, we might as well address him as as uh, two characters. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Arnold uh, slash Bernard. Um, so Luce, give me your thoughts. Uh, firstly, on Bernard, because uh, he is the overriding Bernard. Um, he always seems bemused. Yeah. From watching it. Okay. What do you mean? He just—he's just the expression on his face. He always seems a bit unsure. So you're having a go at the actor, yeah? No, no, because I think it's all deliberate. Right. Like 100. percent He just looks a bit befuddled, doesn't he, by everything? And I remember when I first watched it before you find out anything about his provenance, thinking, "What is what is up with him? Why is he always so sort of confused and?" He just seems like he's torn mm. in some way. I, I collared him as a as a 
uh, yeah. robot in the first replicant. first uh, replicant first host. See, did I didn't. Test. I didn't either. I it just wondered what was up with him. Um, and these the reveries and why had he done that? And obviously, that's become a lot clearer. Mm. And there is it's quite sad when he asks. Um, I mean, we're jumping forward a bit. He asks Doctor Ford like why he gave him the memory of his dying son. Yeah, which it's is cornerstone. What drives him? It's cornerstone because suffering <clears throat> create or breeds humanity essentially. Yeah. Is and then you recognise your own enemy, which is what he says. Yeah, and it's it's, it's a matter of learning from your mistakes. If you yeah. if you can't remember any mistakes that you've got, then you you can't create. You're you know, never... you can't improve as a person, which is what we all strive to do. Yeah. Um, well, some of us. Yeah. Some of us don't don't try. Yeah. But. Um, I'm going to yeah. run into that wall again. No, yeah. what are you doing, man? But that moment in, um, I think it's episode seven of, of the first season where, you know, the what door moment. Um, yeah, that is that is phenomenally well handled. This building isn't in any survey of the park. That's because we use hosts to do most of the surveys. They're programmed to ignore this place. They literally couldn't see it if they were staring right at it. And these unregistered hosts you told me about? I don't know. He may have moved them. What's behind this door? What door? Just the way it's done and the whole what door thing became a massive meme and everything. And everyone on Reddit for ages and all the that forums was saying that... Um, forums? Forums. Forums. <laughs> forums. Uh, was saying that, um, you know who's a host because obviously the amazing thing about this show is that anyone could essentially be a host the options you know it's, it's kind of a bit deus ex machina you know you could sort of you get out of lots of problems by saying oh this person was a host and we can yeah. bring them back and all this stuff and that that is a negative thing but i think they handled it very well yeah and um, bernard was obviously one that we a lot of people pegged yeah, quite it early sense on that he was one when you yeah it definitely out. made sense and um, I, I don't think it hurts that moment though no that moment is no. genius I mean um, that moment was <clears throat> sublime does anyone else find it disconcerting and odd um, that Ford has created Bernard in the image of Arnold I find it sort of it bemused me a bit when we I mean, when we realised that it just yes but it as, freaked me as out. a good friend of mine pointed out he has made him in his image of Yes, that is Arnold. true. So is he anything like Arnold? We don't know because he's, mm. he's we can never how know. he has viewed Arnold is how he has recreated Bernard, Bernard. And we have no idea what he was actually like because he's just and yeah. maybe that's why he's so sort of yeah. bumbling and almost like vacant. Well because, because he doesn't really didn't really know him probably. Ford only down. has the external perspective, exactly. he doesn't have the internal, you know, machinations. Yeah. So he's yeah. given him this trauma without having any idea really how Arnold dealt with it, how it made him feel. He's, or, he's yeah. built him in his image of him, again, like God, without really probably knowing what was going on inside. That's yeah. really, really interesting. interesting. Thank you, Michelle. And the, and, the, and the thing about the thing about Arnold is he is this mysterious character that that, that is sort of, you know, seeded in different episodes. Like, you just hear nuggets of information about him. Everyone just keeps mentioning Arnold. Like, yeah. you know, it, and it's it's so well woven into the timeline of, of, of the narrative that they're telling here over the 10 episodes. Mm. By the time that you get to the point of realisation that uh, Bernard was modelled in, in Arnold's image, you kind of expect it. Yeah. Like, you, you yeah. know that it's it's the possibility. And once again, thank you, Reddit. Thank you, all these theories. You know, we're going to be doing this this season. We're going to be going through the theories and stuff. But people can spot things. They're very astute these days. There's ways of 
all getting together and talking about these fan theories. But the the, the realize even when you knew that Arnold was Bernard and Bernard was Arnold, um, it didn't lose any emotional impact because mm. it was still like, it, you know, even Teresa says it in that final moment of before she dies. Uh, she says, you're a fucking monster to yeah. Dr. Ford. And at that point, you fully buy into that because it is fucking horrific. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you look at that, like he's created mm. someone who's brought his partner back from the dead yeah. and not told him he's a host and erased these things from his mind. It's fucking it's horrendous. Crazy, yeah. So how is Ford getting away with this? I mean, that I'm is... Sorry, I mean, that's just a logistical question. Yeah, it's a loophole. It's a loophole in the story about... I mean, that was one of the questions that everyone asked, right? Was how did... Yeah. How did Dr. Ford, you know, fake all of the records about, you know, like birth certificate, you know, getting him a job, all of this sort of stuff. And Where how does he live? And how did no one know about Arnold in the first place, right? Mm. That is one of the plot holes that I'm hoping they plug this season. Mm. Yeah. I'd like an explanation on it. I don't care if they explain it or not. Yeah. I don't. because uh, I think there are more interesting things going on than, well, hold on, but how come someone's cotton on to this guy? So Agreed. I, it was you know, 35 you, years ago. You let, you let stuff like that go, don't you? Yeah, sometimes yeah, you, you've got... Like, I mean, look, we, we cover the... No, you're out of order in a way. We cover The Walking Dead as well, and that's absolute codswallop. So, you know, compared to... Codswallop? <laughs> codswallop. Compared, you know, that's a ye old time saying that they would have said in, in the West. The old West. In the old wild yeah. West. So obviously, like, Bernard and Arnold are this, this sort of dual character, but going back to Ford and the way that he views the hosts, especially as we see the way that he views the hosts, we get the impression that Arnold, even in death, is fighting Dr. Ford. And as the series goes on, we, or the season goes on, we get the impression that they had very differing views on the way that the hosts should be. You know, like uh, Arnold, for example, from what we can tell from his coding and what we can tell from little nuggets of him talking to the hosts in their own head or what we think to be that, um, that he wanted them to be sentient and not be used in this horrific park life. Yeah. And kind of, we kind of think that Dr. Ford's a bit of a dick for like, although amazingly well acted by um, Anthony Hopkins, we kind of get the feeling that he's just, you know, happy with the way that things are and controlling them in the way that he is. Well, it's interesting, actually, going back to what Lucy was saying earlier, in that this, again, is predominantly Ford's perspective on Arnold's thinking, because we don't really see Arnold that much. I wonder if, and I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, but if we'll get to see more of Arnold in season two. Because I, I, I would so. really like to see more of, of where this all, you know, this, essentially it's a dichotomy, isn't it? Um, it's two opposing world views about yeah. humanity and... I I have to disagree I think in, ter- in terms it. of seeing more Arnold yeah I don't yeah. I, I think that story's been told yeah and I think that do you think yeah, yeah. I, I think so I think it, it's <clears throat> now a Bernard story Bernard well, yeah we well, understand where Arnold came from as in yeah he kind of was the opposing figure to Ford we understand that Bernard, that he was sort of the opposing force to Ford. We understand that Bernard came from him, even if he was made in Bernard. Arnold's image, like, well, Ford's view of Arnold. I don't think we really need to know much more. I don't That's think it's important, point. like, to what's going to happen with Maeve, what's going to happen with Dolores, like, what's going to happen with the park. Yeah. So can we, uh, there is a, there's a part of Arnold's uh, storyline, uh, which is obviously pretty major, where he uh, gets Dolores to kill him yep yeah i feel like that's explained like we understand why he did that yeah no i was gonna ask what you thought about it well he did that to show that these um robots could gain sentience and therefore the park should not be open because 
A, they shouldn't be treated badly, and B, they might pose a danger well, he, to well, he, did, he actually did it to, to, to basically take himself out of the equation because he mm. realised that he wrote the code that was responsible for this sentience. I don't think he and could they, deal with the responsibility. No, but he thought that if he took himself out of the equation, that the park would not open. Mm-hmm. He believed that destroying all of the hosts would financially cripple Ford. It would also, taking himself out of the equation, would mean Ford could not do it on his own. Because as is stated several times throughout the season, it is believed that Arnold actually wrote the most elegant parts of the code, the parts of the code that make them the most human that they are. So mm. Ford he believed that taking himself out of the equation would mean that the host would be safe and he you know, or you know and they would never be treated because he just didn't want them to go through these loops but yeah he didn't want them the, to suffer like this he programmed them like if you think of backers or investors they're going to say well these robots have gone on a massacre and they have killed a human yeah. we don't want to back this so i think that's part of it as well yeah, yeah 100%. He, he explicitly says that as well yeah, yeah exactly no, 100% is that as, he just he wants the park to fail because yeah. he understands yeah. that yeah. it is going to be living what hell what he's created they we've discussed it previously they might be seen as human really if they can feel pain and if they have gained, gained sentience and they're going to experience what's happening to them in a way that humans would <clears throat> he doesn't want it to happen because he cares for them well, because of what happened to his son yeah well look let's uh Let's move it on. Um, but it's an interesting debate. And actually, look, I might flip-flop and say that if um, in season two, if they if they do show a little bit of uh, Arnold in the early days, uh, then yeah, it might, it, it, might, it might prove to be quite interesting and solve a lot of this debate. Um, I guess we have to move on to the, uh, the most immersive player in the game. Um, uh, the man in black. Yeah, so Ed Harris. Uh, well, you know, see, there's a there's a moment where I think it's like halfway through the season, like maybe episode five, where you finally see Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins' character sit down at a table and have this <clears> amazing <throat> sort of exchange with each other. It's so great to have two like powerhouses like of acting. Well, in a, in a show like yeah, this, so uh, not to kind of just jump all over the point you're making here, but uh, coming back to what I said earlier about, you know, film versus TV. Yeah. I used to grow up and... Uh, Robocop. I, I used to grow up. I don't grow up anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he refuses but, to grow down. up. But yeah. look, when I was a kid, like the, the TV shows that were on that were massively popular would have been like fucking Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rawhide. Yeah. Now, uh, and to be fair, Rawhide had fucking Clint Eastwood. So, yeah, you know, fair. But he was a nobody. But you wouldn't have got like creme de la creme, uh, Knights of the Realm, yeah, uh, in 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 a TV series, yeah, 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 and and that scene in itself is just like it's phenomenal, it's like yeah, heat. but it's just ridiculous, but, yeah. In a way, yeah, you are right. It's, it's the acting quality from those two is brilliant and so consistent throughout the season. You never look at those yeah. two and go, oh, they've done a bad job here. You look at those two, and every time they're in a scene, especially Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins, you mm. sit there and you just go. I'm captivated by this. Yeah, they I'm to, I'm, I, Yeah, they take it to a new level. They take it to that level. That, yeah. Not even shows like Game of Thrones have, to be honest with you. Because, like, you yeah. know, a lot of the Game of Thrones actors were nobody's going into the show and now they've grown throughout the show and we can appreciate the way they've grown. But you, when you just plomp, you know, plop... Uh, <laughs> I said plomp. That's plomp. I, said, I like I did plomp. A, I like plomp. Let's go with plomp. When you just plomp uh, Anthony Hopkins <laughs> oh, in a show... I like that one. Um, what am I doing he here? Just, he raises it. But <laughs> go, going back to The Man in Black... Um, the whole thing that came out, obviously, when when the season first started, even on episode two, yeah. Reddit were calling and everyone and the theories and everyone <laughs> was calling the fact that William 
is the man in black. Now, yeah. I'm going to be honest. At that point, as when we first heard about it, when we were all talking about it, about episode three, I was like, hmm. I'm not so sure. I think they're reaching a bit. I think we all doubted it. A yeah, bit, we didn't all we? we all doubted it. it. But the, the further it went on, the further it went on, we we all we all sat there and went, okay, I can see they're playing with time here, um, and that's when it sort of became <laughs> like we said earlier. The, yeah. the way they play with time is mm. very important. I've got to say, like the caliber of acting in Westworld is is spectacular, uh, but Ed Harris especially, his characterization of the man in black is is it's traumatizing. He is so cold and brutal. Well, I think I think that's why it was hard. That's why it's hard to believe those shouts, those theories early on, because Jimmy Simpson's um, version of the same person is so different. Like he's um, he's such an innocent, um, almost like I don't know. He's so naive, isn't he? Yeah, and, um, like, and he's just been plumped into this Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like we said earlier, he's figuring out. He's trying to figure out the sentience thing as he goes. I think at, he's like the viewer, don't you? Yeah, hundred percent. He's like us if we were the first people in Westworld. You think I would never? I'm not going to shoot someone. Like even if it's a robot, they they look like a person. Like I'm not going to rape someone. Like yeah, it's hard to do I'm this. There again. No, it's relevant. I know, um, but, but not we, I constant. feel like he carries us, and when. When he, he finally turns, that's when I'm like, I'm going to have to leave you there because I'm not going to turn because I mean, I've got the cold <clears throat> shoulder by a robot. But but him and uh, <laughs> going back to the second episode, so obviously that amazing first episode that we that we referenced yeah. um, sets up the sort of narratives in the park. It sets up the day to day actions, these yeah. loops, the idea that these you know hosts are just recycled daily. It just lays down the murder basics, daily, etc. The second episode, we get introduced to the man in black in his younger years, William and Logan. Uh, two very interesting characters and two very different characters. And this descent that you sort of see William go on um, towards becoming the man in black. Um, and the fact that Logan is this absolute piece of shit who gets away with it. I mean, he's a horror. Like when you first watch it and I, on the rewatch, I was just like, yeah, fucking hell. He's an absolute wanker. Yeah. Like the things he's doing are despicable. And initially like, he's but literally the more in every scene candidate. as well. Yeah, right? it's over the top, isn't it? Right. It's yeah. over the top. By the end of the season, I have to say that I've actually warmed to Logan a bit because I found. Logan that- knows who he is. Yeah, he knows who he is. And, and he's, he's not like, afraid of it. He's there to do this shit, probably because he can't do it in real life. He has these urges and these desires which I think are base and awful, but he is exploring them in a, in a realm where no one can get hurt. Whereas someone like William has repressed these and he thinks he's above all that. And really, he's mu- actually much worse. But you ima- imagine going to like Alton Towers and just attacking staff. Like, what's the point? Robots, you getting robot out of staff. I thought that's what you did at Alton Towers. Is that why you were banned from Alton Towers? I'm (laughs) no, but they are robots at Alton Towers, aren't they? They, They've got to be, surely. Yeah, yeah. What the ghouls on Fright Night? Yeah, Um, John's hoping so. Otherwise, he's killed three people. (laughs) (laughs) But on a serious note, initially, uh, Logan is the more likely candidate to to turn into the Man in Black because he is a hideous human being. Yeah, and I mean, Lucy made a great point that he's not afraid Mm. of who he is, and he knows that. Yeah, but you you do not expect William to become this cold, dead inside bastard. <laughs> Jesus, that's a fair way of describing but, it. I mean, but he have does, you dated him? Or he's going yeah. there. He doesn't know what to expect. He can't really deal with it. And then well, he doesn't want to be because, there, does he? Because he realizes that the the robot he's fallen in love with 
is actually a robot has been reset and is letting someone else pick up her can. Mm. He Oi. literally goes pick mental and yeah. goes on a killing spree. And mm. I, and I Makes, think he, he's very fragile. And I think that that whole journey of him going to Westworld for the first time essentially changed him for his entire life. And as we we'll, as we see and we'll come on to it again, no, not in, in only the, changed him, it yeah, changed no, his life. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like he goes outside the park and enacts this new lifestyle, this new way of thinking, this new brutal mentality in business and. What we've seen from the trailers, and we'll come on to it later in Theory Corner, we're going to see that uh, both him and Logan are in season two, as J- Jimmy Simpson and Logan, young Logan, are back. Um, and we're going to see how he leaves the park for the first time and also enacts all of this behaviours, enacts mm. these behaviours that he's picked up in the park to essentially seize control of Delos and seize control of Westworld. Yeah. So um, I have a question. So the last that we see of Logan um, is... So young William... Naked. Just put him on a horse, naked. Naked on a horse. Tied him up and sent him off. She, yeah. Don't really know what that was all about. Um, yeah, that might really be why... He was suddenly naked, wasn't he? That might be why Len starts to like him more by the end of the season, though. <laughs> naked Logan. He's a pretty good-looking guy. Don't know the way this is going. Guy, yeah. anyway. Okay, so I just want to throw it out there. Uh, we've spoken about, uh, I'd say, like the the main players in in this show. I don't think we've really missed anyone that is integral. Are there any bad guys in this show? Like, who, who's the villain? Is there a villain? Is the there corporation, like a... man? It's the I, corporation. The it's Delos. The man. It's Delos. It's one hundred percent Delos. It's I meant to be the. That's... They're the antagonist of the. They're the antagonist of the show. They don't give a shit about the park. They give a shit about the IP, the intellectual property. They care about the fucking hosts. They care about ways in which they can utilize this technology to further outside world gains. Now, here's the thing: we don't know necessarily what they want, and we'll come on to some theories about what we think they're after. Mm. But they are essentially the the main. I I believe firmly that they're going to be the main villain even Ford even says so in his final speech to Bernard saying mm. look mm. you've got a long way still to come you're going to have to suffer a lot more because he understands that the outside world and humans and Delos are the real enemy in this show okay but are they at this point yeah for everything that we've seen in season one yeah are they villainous no. because again if it's a corporation yeah and we're talking about a theme park with robots they don't know that they may have gained sentience. Well, they don't give a shit. Anything. They wouldn't give a shit. But they don't. They're not like fully aware of that if it's happened. But isn't the point that they haven't really gained sentience? That's the thing. And also, and I don't think that um, that there is a tangible bad guy. I do in think this the man series. in black. I mean, he, uh, he's a probably, great guy. Think of him dragging off the woman yeah. that he loved in his youth to yeah. do the R word with. That we we don't know that for a fact that he did that though. Well, yeah, no, he might, he might not have done he might not, He might have actually done something <clears throat> to affect her sentience. So you have a, a slightly less quantifiable villain, which is a base human desire. And mm. that really is the bad guy. The real villain is that terrible actor. Oh, What's yeah, the no, he's... What's his name? Lee Sizemore. <laughs> yeah, so I guess... Lee's English actor. I, I hate to say this as well, because... You watch a TV show like this and the standard of acting on display is unbelievable. And then someone slips through the net and you're thinking, how is he on this show? Yeah, like, size more, yeah. But you can't just shout everything. A relentless fucking experience. A relentless fucking experience. You just have to shout words. But I remember when we were first watching it, um, I hadn't seen it. And I think it was you, Gareth, on the group. You were like, 
the English guy is really, really shit. Yeah, it was. Guys. And everyone was like, yeah, he's really bad. And I watched it. I was like, what English guy? I was like, oh, he sticks out like a sore thumb because he really did. Mm. He's doing a like a fucking dialogue with Sir Anthony Hopkins and he's just failing so hard. I'm totally surprised he stayed in it. And um, I thought it must be proof that he is a malfunctioning robot. I genuinely thought <laughs> that is what is going to come out. Yeah. So that's why he's acting so strangely. And, and the thing about him is like you can see in the production process in the first two episodes, he's quite prevalent. He's quite there. He's He's got a lot of dialogue. Then you don't, they literally send him on vacation. <laughs> it's like they got a couple of episodes <laughs> into the, the shooting and were like, fuck me, this guy, Anthony Hopkins just Look, went over, went over Jonathan there. Nolan was like this guy can't fucking act mate so then, he literally um, went on vacation um, but then there's another point later on in the season where he comes back after, from vacation and he's literally pissing yeah, off uh, the balcony uh, onto the Westworld like control room map and you're sitting no sense and you're sitting yeah, there going it's, it's, that is shit the problem, the problem with this there's no there, there is literally hardly any blotches on this show's record at this point but I have to say the character of Lee Sizemore is just, just awful and I get the people that say he is the villain I get yeah he's a true villain yeah, yeah. I get the people who say that oh yeah he's like the sort of he needs to be there he needs to be like a little comedic foil you know for Ford and all these other you people like a, be a good actor. but there's a way of handling it and you also it. have to be funny if you're going to be a comedian yeah. he's, he's not he's no. not it's very frustrating that is a point um, maybe another weakness with the show is there any any humour in it at all or is everybody super serious the whole time one one of my favourite moments though I have to say and and, and we haven't really mentioned them because maybe we didn't delve into Maeve enough potentially a lot but uh, Felix and Sylvester are like they're a bit sort of like a double act that's a bit trying to be comedic and at times doesn't work and I know a lot of the fandom have issues with them and their sort of motivations like why are they going along with this um, <laughs> yeah. um, but there yeah. is a moment where Felix in the finale like after he finds out like what he's a host he says about Bernard and she's like yeah and then Felix like looks around and he starts touching himself like that and she goes, no not you you fucking idiot yeah. <laughs> you're you know it's, I, I laugh out loud every time and that's hilarious like um but those two try and bring a comedic element to it. And they mm. do at times. Um, and yes, their motivations can be questioned. Once again, I'll let it slide because at least they're acting. And their acting is much better than Sizemore's. Okay, so uh, it probably makes sense for us to have a chat about the finale and, and obviously where we're at. Uh, so Gaz, talk yes. to me. I guess the finale was chaotic, wasn't it? Do you reckon that's the best word to describe it? And um, sets us up for any possibilities for for the next season i think that's one of the cool things is that i I don't know i think len did you say earlier was it you john that you could have had the season end at that point yeah Yeah, i would have have found that yeah i agree i would have found that really frustrating um for it to to have ended there um i think it has kind of thrown people's um like people's objectives and their 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 reasons for doing things like totally out the window and it's 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 left left us with a lot of questions so i don't know what really i i know, I know you guys have tried to explain it i still don't fully understand why um anthony hopkins did what he did like why does he want to why why is he why has he done that he seemed he didn't seem upset he seemed like he was in a fairly good mood most of the time 
Like, why is he taking himself out of the equation? I mm. think he feels well, and we'll come on to it in theory corner. But in all seriousness, he might not have taken himself out of the equation. So we we need to look at that as a possibility. Yeah. Well, but what we need to look at yeah. predominantly is his motivations, and from what we get, like for maybe seven episodes up to the point where uh, he makes Bernard kill Teresa. You kind of get this uh, opinion of him where you're like, like we said, God complex, uh, doesn't want to lose control, mm. constantly fighting the board, trying to just keep control, even creating like Bernard as a host to have this sort of subordinate who is also in complete control. Yeah. And at that point, you know, there was a lot of people saying in theories and stuff that, no, he's just doing this. It's all an act. And it did come true that that was the case. And you understand that through his amazing acting and delivery of Anthony Hopkins, that he regrets massively not listening to Arnold in the first place 35 yeah, years definitely. ago. And he wanted to tell these stories. He wanted to tell his stories. He did not, as we said earlier, envisage the park to really release this horrible human nature that he has seen. And now he's on the side of the host and he's trying to enable them. And all this has been an act to enable them to have the best possible chance of surviving and being a, a race of their own. Mm. So you feel, so you think he's like a, like a, a sacrificial father figure. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like say the hosts became this the dominant race on earth i believe they would look at him and arnold and say that they were the like the the god figures for them the sort yeah. of the sort of creators the ones who enabled them to achieve the success that they did even if they don't think it at this point what dr ford has done for them is amazing because he even says arnold wanted to save you but he he wouldn't have if he had done what he wanted yeah. to do and created you sentient then the world would have shut you down what i've done is taught you suffering i've taught you how to learn mm. and best beat your enemy mm. and that's the most important thing yeah so i mean the finale leaves you with with a question doesn't it um of whether you know as you said of, of whether ford kind of instigated or um, like orchestrated his own death or not mm. yeah. whether he knew this was going to happen and that was yeah. his that was his bowing out or whether Dolores has genuinely become independent thought sentient being yeah um, well I think it's both isn't it yeah but is it I mean you don't know I mean we said <coughs> earlier that we've been flip-flopping between she is sentient she isn't blah blah, blah and, yeah. and same with Maeve yeah I mean there is still a question on that there, then there's still, you know, as you said with Maeve, there's still a question as to whether 100%. she has been programmed to escape but not go and come back and do this and the other, or whether mm. she is genuinely starting to uh, to create independent thought and, and motivations. Mm. And, and I like that. I suppose it's, it's worth just kind of very briefly just recapping that there's this big party, isn't there, for, um, for, for Delos, because they've got the new narrative. So it's the release of the new narrative in Westworld. Um, and so all of the executives are there and um, a load of important guests, right? And then um, there's a an ambush by the um, by the robots who appear to have gained some sort of sentience. And yeah. no clothes. Once you gain sentience, you lose your clothes. Actually, maybe it's biblical as well. Maybe that's like an Adam and Eve kind of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah, so then they, they start, um, it turns into an absolute schmozzle of murder and um, guns firing off but William the man in black is still alive right um, and that's what he's been after isn't it that's what it turns out that's what he's been trying to do um, so while all of that's going on we also have Maeve and the the other the little gang that she's rustled up um, they're going around the labs aren't they 
and they go through they go through Shogun World, don't they? Well, yeah, right. Well, Gareth, they do, and so high. And I think we should spare that for the theory chat. But um, I keep wow. calling it Samurai World. And and yeah, the other major thing I guess is that Maeve decides rather than running off into the real world, she wants to go back and get her her daughter. Does she decide? Yeah, when, and we we brought this up earlier about the 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 fact that her coding was always programmed to go the way of infiltrate the mainland yeah uh, which is what they just call anything outside of westworld um which also links into another theory that it's on mars which we don't adhere to i, I don't think we adhere to the fact that it's on mars but um that the fact that she also had a line of code under that which is override which is also important which we'll come on to in the theories about mm. sentience and all this sort of stuff but but you're right gaz about there's it is chaotic there's yeah. a lot of things going on but i've never seen a finale of a first season of a show handle its characters it's the way it wrapped up that story Mm. so well and effectively there's a radiohead cover exit it's exit it's exit song um it's unbelievable it's done in this west the westworld soundtrack is phenomenal because it throughout the season it uses these amazing pop culture songs yeah and it just plays them on that um automated piano yeah um and it's such an effective way of drawing people in to these situations with kind of ironic music in a way a lot of mm. it's quite happy or well it's sort of a sad. hint as well isn't it like that it isn't it isn't the old west it's, exactly yeah. it's 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 the new west it's this west that we've created and sort uh, of like a west World. West World, yes. But the use of that Radiohead song, I implore anyone, if you haven't listened to the soundtrack, download it, get it on Spotify. It's on Spotify, check it out. We're also on Spotify, check us out. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it's unbelievable. And the way that just it all comes to a, you know, finale with Ford getting his brains blown out, similar to, similar to Arnold slash Bernard. Yep. Um, amazing symmetry. Amazing symmetry, amazing book ending, amazing Sunny. storytelling. Like, <clears throat> just so effectively well done. The same scene in the same town, a massacre. Yeah. But bringing it all back again. Mm. But this time, Dolores' character hasn't been merged with Wyatt's character, which was Ford's whole problem with that. He was like, hey, you weren't actually sentient then. We merged you with another character to made you do all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the gun. You always had a fondness for it. It's the one you shot Arnold with. Here's <laughs> you've, always had, you've always you've had got, a fondness yeah, for it. Yeah, you've got to make your own decisions. <laughs> make your own decisions. Yeah. Go, you know, do what you want with this gun. She okay, so it. what do I need to do then? Yeah. No, I've just said no, you... you make your own decisions. All right, okay. And she goes and blows his fucking brains out. Yeah. So, hey. Well, don't do that. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we mean. But, like, yeah. amazing. Yeah. I guess the one thing that uh, the finale did do in showing that there are other worlds is mm-hmm. obviously what they do in the film where we have what, like Roman world or... Medieval yeah. world. Medieval world. Future world. world, Roman world, West world. There are multiple worlds. I think there's yeah. six parks in in total. But the reason that I bring that up, um, what purpose does that serve narratively in the finale? Because for, for me, it's a little bit lazy i think it just shows the scope as well yeah. of what is going on how big is this place mm. and it yeah and it expands delos as a character yeah, world building it's world building we had no idea and then some we stun, stumble into this and there's all these shogun fighting each other oh, i love mm. it and i'd love to not be only there. a taster of what could come in season two but it just kind of expands the world that we already know hello there and sorry for disturbing your wonderful listening of our podcast 
But uh, I just want to make you aware that obviously if you are enjoying listening to this, uh, you can obviously listen to the rest of what we do. Uh, Fan Critical are sporadic with what we cover. So obviously we're covering The Walking Dead. We're covering all of the uh, Marvel movies, uh, some terrible movies on netflix but look that's what we do so please subscribe we are on itunes we are on fancritical.com we're on spotify we're on instagram we're on twitter we are on everything and obviously if you are only interested in listening to westworld we are the hosts of westworld so if you want to just listen to this please subscribe and listen in every week cheers guys so, uh, so that pretty much wraps up season one. Um, you know, some laughter, some uh, some tears. But I know Len is chomping at the bit for us to move on to Theory Corner. Do you want me to take it from here? I, well, I think you're going to have to because it's your take... fucking notes. Yeah, so... my notes. It's Theory Corner time. Uh, we're going to do this weekly. It's basically where we digest everything from the internet, sort of filter it down into a lovely chemical solution that we can give back to you guys to uh, see if you agree with us or disagree with us. We're going to go through tinfoil. We're going to go through things that we probably think will happen. <laughs> yep. And cling, uh, film. cling film. All of the household, you know, Raps. rap. Wrapping agents. I've got to admit, it sounds like we're They'll see through drugs. that, though. They'll see... Oh! Um, yeah. So, guys, um, obviously, we're not sponsored by Reddit, but we are saying a lot of Reddit stuff today. and that, Because yeah. Reddit was uh, quite a prevalent uh, factor in uh, Westworld Season 1 and a lot of TV shows these days. A lot of things are, like, if you've watched Mr. Robot, you know, it's the same sort of thing. All these sort of shows, theories are thrown out there and everyone comes back to it and... And at the end of the day, everyone goes, oh, has Reddit ruined these shows? Well, because... yeah, so, but, but that is a good point, isn't it? Yes. Because, uh, I mean, even Jonathan Nolan came out yes. when discussing season two and said, like, they're, they're now having to... Plan for that. Yeah, plan for, for the, the Reddit kind of craze, I Which guess. leads us on to a brilliant thing that uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy did Love ahead us. of season two. So they have been threatening through various interviews, oh, we've got plans to deal with Reddit for season two. So they literally went on the Westworld mega thread and they posted, themselves actually posted on the mega thread, hey guys, we're going to submit to you a video and plot synopsis for the whole of season two, just so that we've beaten you to it. Say, hey, look, here, here's what's going to happen. We're going to post a video. Everyone was like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Because they don't really want to know, because the whole joy of everyone's yeah, yeah, lives yeah. on Reddit is to come up with the theories, <laughs> yeah. right? So they post the video, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's yeah. amazing. Um, basically, it opens up with Bernard on the beach, and he's basically narrating the plot. As it goes along, like, oh, I woke up on the beach. There's loads of bodies there. I get tasked by security. You know, they don't know he's a host at this point. And he goes back to Sweetwater. Yeah. And he's reading through the narrative. Like the, the, like the He's like a narrator of the whole story. And then it goes to this amazing video of Evan Rachel Wood and uh, Cle- the actress who plays Clementine playing the piano saying, uh, singing, Never Gonna Give You Up. We're no strangers to love. 
you know the rules and so do I A full commitment's what I'm thinking of You wouldn't get this from any other guy I just wanna tell you how I'm feeling Gotta make you understand Never gonna give you up Never gonna let you Never gonna run around and desert you Never gonna make you cry Never gonna say goodbye Never gonna tell a lie Hurt you <laughs> <laughs> Classic Rick Roll Absolute classic Rick Roll And then uh, basically it's just a dog at a piano for 20 minutes with the Westworld theme going while the dog's just looking around everywhere <laughs> um, I have to say best sausage of all time uh, best joke <laughs> of all time. Uh, on, that was on, a very specific website yeah. that you were looking on. I mean, it's incredible of them to do such a thing like that. And mm. they, like you said, John, they've had to sort of plan for Reddit and that stuff. And they can have a bit of fun with it as well. They, yeah. There's no way of getting away from it these days with these theory crafting and what people, how people can talk to each other and come up with stuff. And yeah. everyone will always pick up on something, which is why we're going to bring that to you every week. And try and figure out what we think is going to happen for season two. Mm. So, talking about season two, there are a couple of theories which we can bring up uh, just straight off the bat, uh, leading off from that amazing finale. And I think it'd be good right now if we just go through them and think which ones we think will happen and which ones we think are fucking mental. Okay. First theory I want to bring to you is the fact that Dr. Ford. Anthony Hopkins, an amazing, as we've said, brilliant performance from him in season one. Do we think he's going to feature in season two? And secondly, do we think that the Dr. Ford that was shot is a host? I'm going to throw it open to the table, guys. So I think that there is definitely a possibility that he's not really dead. Sorry, (laughs) dead? Dead? Uh, I think there is definitely a possibility that he is not really dead. And Mm. and what I've been reading around this particular theory is that there there are a couple of scenes where you see his hands. Oh, yes, the hands. The hands. Hands, apparently, are the way that you tell a host (coughs) from a non-host. In the original Westworld, that is the case. It absolutely is. And so that's kind of a hark back uh, to To the the original film. Yeah. There's a very specific shot as well where uh, Dr. Ford shakes hands with Bernard and says, good luck, my friend. And he gives him this very limp-wristed handshake. His hand's just all over the fucking shop. And and they say that the knuckles are off from his usual (laughs) knuckles. Now, this is bizarre, but this is a thing. It's very intense, It's a very specific shot. Like, honestly really weirdly lingering on his hands. And Mm. you wouldn't necessarily do that unless it actually had some meaning behind it. And we did see in Dr. Ford's workshop, we did also see him creating a host with an old style machine, which is said to take several days or weeks or whatever. Mm. And at the time of seeing that that machine for the first time, we believed it was creating Teresa because it was the time that Teresa was killed. We thought, oh, it makes sense for him to create her as a host and implant her back into the company and reinstate Bernard. However... We never saw what he was creating then. No. Now that just leads a whole host of op- host. Sorry for the pun well, of opportunities, right? But it opens up a couple of questions, and and what it, I think the the main one it opens up is the Ford that was shot. Is that real Ford or yes. host Ford? Yeah, exactly. It could be either because yeah. you know essentially Ford could escape the you know the position he's in, but still remain. A part of Westworld as a host what version of like himself. Consciousness uploaded on. on this subject, uh, Jonathan Nolan himself has said 
he's explicitly said that was definitely a real Ford. It was definitely a real Ford. So that doesn't necessarily because you could argue that the hosts are real as well. So you know that doesn't necessarily rule out the possibility of being a host, but. Is there a possibility that there's more than one real Ford? Well, yeah. And there's also the possibility that uh, Ford was always a host. So mm. coming on to the second theory is the fact that Ford might have this whole time have actually been a host. He might have died already. Uh, and this is a host incarnation of Ford. There are several tells on this that we can list right now for the group and we'll see if anyone agrees. <clears throat> the fact that he always wears old fashioned clothing uh, similar to the characters in Westworld and then it sounds silly but just go with it go with it yeah yeah if he was if he was knocking about with like fucking bling. Air Max and, yeah that'd yeah. be amazing well, um, not not bling I mean now you sound old like you heard it on a TV show and when I'll say that I'm not that old yeah but uh how about the fact that he doesn't need voice controls to control the host similar to Maeve as we see her become uh, her bulk apperception gets put up Ooh. she doesn't need voice control to control the host however she can do so with touch uh, move of her hand and all this sort of stuff Ford has the same ability with every single animatronic thing in that park Mm. The snake that he charms in the second season, that, you know, all this sort of stuff. He does it. That's so, very interesting. So actually. think about that, as a, that snake, as a potential option. Yeah. Um, you, you can also broaden out this theory, and, and there is another one. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but that everyone is a host. Well, and that, yep, yeah, everyone in Westworld so, is a host. Yeah. Everyone has host. Du, 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 du. <laughs> and there's only host, there's only one host, host. bit at which we see a glimpse of the outside, the world outside of Westworld, which is in the trailers for season two. But other than that, this is just the world. I mean, mm. they could all be hosts, for all we know. And then that completely changes that debate that we had earlier about humanity. Um, That's going a bit far, don't you think? No, I don't think so at all. It's like if everybody's a host, then what is at stake? you can't really die no one ever really dies if everybody's a host no, no but just in the park well, yeah the, the, what, but we, we know nothing about like what's happened to society outside of yeah very the true true oh my god what if it's like post-apocalyptic and i'm yeah. very excited to see a yeah. bit more of that and and you know let's move it on a bit but getting alluding to the mainland as they call it and we've said we don't really adhere to the fact that we believe that the park is on mars necessarily mm. um but it's going to be interesting to see. And in the trailer, we do get glimpses of Dolores in a dress in uh, sort of, which John... Oh, is, it's the same trailer. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, we get glimpses of her in a sort of modern setting or yeah, what, what we adhere like to be a modern setting. So cocktail there, party or something, isn't it? Yeah, so there's two, op- there's, there's two options for this. There are, well, actually three options for this. There's the fact that we could either say that Dolores is A, uh, in future world potentially another park right there is another option that says that all of the hosts even dolores or maybe dolores specifically have been modeled on someone from the real world and we are seeing a parallel story of the real life dolores interesting that's also an interesting take (laughs) or the fact that she has escaped westworld at some point and got to the mainland What do you guys think about that? And what do you think is and what do you think is the most likely, guys? Future World. Yeah, the first one. You reckon Future World? Yeah. Zillophone. It looked quite Blade Runner E. I don't yeah. know because I quite like it to be real world. Yeah. Well, isn't it set in like it's set? 
2052 well, is the year. But there's a big debate about this, is that people think that they've worked out that it's set in 2052, so we mm. don't know what the state of society or the mainland is. Yeah. Um, but nobody knows that for sure. It's not been confirmed. Mm. Uh, well, there was just the uh, CCTV time. footage of Maeve within the Easter egg website of Dalo Security, which could be found via the codes on Reddit so, uh, and other posters, yeah. has led to the fact that it says 2052 on the imagery of Maeve trying to break out of uh, the Westworld headquarters. I should start wearing my glasses more, shouldn't I? Which has led people to believe that 2052 is the exact year that it is set. Or yeah. it could have been eight minutes to nine. But no one knows. I mean, that could be, yeah. <laughs> but I think we should bring it on to what John alluded to earlier, which is Shogun World mm. or Samurai World, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, we've got uh, visual hints to it in the finale of season one. Um, and we know from the trailers that we see Maeve actually in Shogun World mm. several at several points in the trailer. Um, and we also get a glimpse to like a geisha type character as well as a tiger, all of this sort of stuff. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, personally, I'm very excited because for me, I'd rather go to Shogun World than Westworld. So I'm excited to see this whole world. Oh, like, do you reckon? Hundred percent. No, Why? Cowboy. It's not the fact that it's a samurai world that gets me excited. It's mm. the it's the idea of world building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my uh, look, my only criticism of that, or potential criticism um, of that in the finale, was uh, I, I don't think it added to the to the to the story there and then. It, it just felt a little bit lazy, and. I guess certain viewers would be like, oh, yeah, Rikid, yeah. I was definitely doing that, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I trust that you have a little bit more intelligence when you're, you know, following a, a, a story and a, and a narrative. But, John, yeah. did you know about the other worlds in um, in the original Westworld before you watched the TV series? Yes. Now, I wonder if a lot of people were very excited <clears throat> about seeing Shogun World or Samurai World, as I keep mistakenly calling it, Um because they didn't know that that was a thing. Whereas we all, I think, oh, had the background yeah. of it. So for them, it was a surprise where we're like, oh, yeah. well, there it is. Yeah, we're going to yeah, see yeah. Roman world and medieval uh, world next. And Felix's answer when they when they actually do wander through, you've got Hector, Maeve, Snake Lady, who, you know, was there as well. And yeah. uh, and Felix wandering through. And like they're like, Maeve's like, what's this place? And then Felix's answer is, it's complicated, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is quite nice, and yeah. it sort of leaves it open-ended. Maybe they're just developing Shogun World, you know, and these other worlds. They're branching out, you know, they're making a fortune. We believe that the the cost to go to this place is mm. only for the super rich. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, in, yeah. you're spending thousands upon thousands of dollars to go, which is why Delos is making an absolute fortune from this thing. Mm. I am really looking forward, and I hope to see Shogun World because I want to see Shogun World. Um, Japanese culture is wicked. And Jonathan Nolan has said uh, there is at least one episode completely centred on Shogun World. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, let's bring it. Let's bring Theory Corner back around to two characters who we didn't really mention in the main cast uh, in the season one sort of recap. But I want to talk about Elsie and I want to talk about Stubbs. So Stubbs being the head of security and Elsie being sort of Bernard's right-hand woman <clears throat> in terms of behaviour yep. in the park. Uh, behavior with the hosts um elsie disappeared i think it's like episode six at the end and mm. we learned that bernard was used to subdue elsie in yeah. some respect we believe potentially that she was dead because of the way obviously that bernard 
uh, took out Teresa. Yeah. Stubbs then investigated a signal from Elsie later. I think it was in the penultimate episode and yeah. got ambushed by Ghost Nation, the sort of Indian tribe of hosts. Yeah. Uh, and we don't see Stubbs again and we don't see Elsie again for the whole season. Okay. Um, I want to know what you guys think about whether they're still alive. I know that we've seen Stubbs in uh, trailer material for season two, so we know that he's okay. But it goes back to this question again. Um, if they are okay, are they A, human, or are they B, hosts? I want to get your guys' opinion on that. I want to get your opinion on whether they're alive, uh, which we know Stubbs is. But then I want to know if you want to, if they're hosts or not. Uh, I haven't considered that Elsie would be alive, to be honest. But we never saw her die. No. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. We never saw her die. And they made a very, I like to think, you know, it's the same with a lot of uh, deaths in TV shows. And if it's done off camera, there's always the possibility that they yeah, yeah, come yeah. back. I don't yeah. see the point of her being alive. <clears throat> well, she, she was a good character. <laughs> I'm with Emma. I'm with Emma, though. Like, what? what is she going to, what is she going to add to the narrative? Like, what's she going to do? Well, she was pro-host and she was always uh, very investigative, uh, sorting out uh, what was going on in the park. Nosy. Mm. But yeah, nosy. Poking her nosy, <laughs> goddammit. Curiosity literally <laughs> almost probably so killed her. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she she might be very on the side of the hosts, you know, especially if she learns that ben- if she learns that Bernard is one um, and she could also propel them and help them in that respect. So mm. she's a good character to have. Plus... If she is a human character, there aren't really that many human characters yet that we can left that we can relate to now. Yeah. She probably so we wouldn't need one. be on Bernard's side because he did try to kill her. Yes, well, so uh, if she is alive. That's probably not. But if she understands, she understands the way that the coding works. She understands the way he might be yeah, told I to mean, do something. So, mm. so there's an interesting debate with that. But it would be good to have her back. I thought she's actually and on the rewatch, rewatch, I thought she was great. I, I actually she's really, really liked her. Really good. Um, I just, I mean, like Gareth and I said, there is no real narrative benefit in her not being dead in my in my eyes yeah i i think i've got to echo uh emma and, and gaz here in that i like i'm not chomping at the bit to see her like come back i like I'm, i don't get excited about her scenes or anything like that so it's just like well but but people do people are like there is a bit of a community, isn't there? Who are, who, who are like, oh, we've got to see her back. And like, yeah, she, I agree. She was a good character. I'm just not entirely sure what the purpose would be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, as I said, I think she just might be one of the few human characters potentially that are left that we can sort of side with because you've got to have this balance of characters. You can't just be like, because by the end of the first season, you're kind of like, well, humans are absolute dickheads and I'm on the side of the, of the hosts. Mm. I thought that before. Um, even though that Dr. Ford sort of subverted your opinions of him, you, at the end, he's dead now. Yeah. Um, so you need some human characters to side with, I think. And I think it'd be good to bring her back. I mean, talking about Stubbs, he could potentially be a host. I mean, there are, you know, seeing him just sort of fine in the trailer, it looks like, sort of alludes to the fact that he could be a host. I mean, yeah. it would make sense to install one of your heads of security as a host that you could then control. It's another yeah. God complex thing for Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. But I, do, I also think if Elsie uh, comes back and she isn't dead, then the likelihood is that she is a host because you're not going to escape a robot trying to kill you unless Ford but Ford as we unless know, yeah unless Ford didn't didn't order the death but yeah. he just ordered to take her out of the picture for a while yeah mm. because yeah, we take her until she passes out don't kill her 
as we thought at the end of episode seven, when he orders Bernard to kill Teresa, it's absolutely brutal. But he needed it to happen so that he could free the host, essentially, in his eyes. We understand yeah. that at the end. That's the only way that he could get Bernard back in a position of power, where he could, like, state the board to get them all to this, you mm. know, meeting uh, where he could enact his final plan. Um, so it was a necessary murder. Whereas Elsie from what he might know about her from Bernard and stuff, has always been on the side of the host, potentially, yeah. and always sort of had uh, reservations about the way they're treated, <clears throat> reservations about doing certain things to them. Yeah. So he might have just taken her out of the picture, like, let's, you know, subdue her for now, put her somewhere where we can just, like, leave her, get mm. this out the way, and then she can she can be involved in the plan. Yeah. So that's an interesting take on it. Um but yeah, moving on from those two characters to two more characters, uh, still in Theory Corner here, just going up with all the stuff that we know from the trailers. Uh, we have Logan and we have William. And we know from the trailers that we are going to get more insight into Logan and William's battle for power for the Delos leadership. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I think that's great because mm. I felt in the show it was a sudden turn to suddenly have... William is the man in black. Yeah. I want to see his descent into that. Yeah. I want to see, see it a bit more. But no, on a serious note, I, I'd really like to see that journey in a bit more detail. And I, as I said earlier, I want to know what the fuck happens to, you know... Logan. Logan on his Lady Godiva ride. Well, mm. and we see in the trailer, we see a Ghost Nation um, sort of native Indian uh, going up to Logan. Like a in, warrior, yeah. Like, yeah, it, in the sort of really deserty part of the park, like he's reached the end of the park mm. and he's like rescued by this ghost nation um, warrior soldier. We also see in the trailer Logan's father, who we believe at this point to be the obviously leader of the Delos Corporation. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, it's alluded to several times in the first season that William is marrying Logan's sister. Yeah. And he's executive vice president at this point. Um, and obviously the park has changed him and led him on this journey to, to essentially wrestle control from Logan. He even says to Logan at the end mm. of the first season, your father's going to want someone a bit more emotionally stable than you are. And he's already thinking about ways to outmaneuver Logan. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we, the fact that we see Logan's father in these, some of these flashbacks in the mainland or on the mainland is very cool, I think. And it's going to be a great way to see that how William wrestles the power. Are you guys interested in that sort of battle? Yeah, like I mean, to be honest, I, like I didn't expect that um, the show would return to a young William. Yeah, yeah, I didn't either. Um, and I just assumed that Logan was dead or whatever, just kind of taken out of the picture. Not necessarily dead, but taken out of the um, equation, the plot, I guess. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued as to what else that can offer. It's a bit like um, it's a bit like with Star Wars, isn't it? Like when the the prequels were made, it was like you know you know what the end point is, um, but it's it's going to be really interesting to find out how they get there. I mean, yes, they fucked. Yes, yes, they fucked it up. But theoretically, um, that's a great idea, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Hey, I don't want to see the Delos Corporation <laughs> in the stock markets and having trade disputes, okay? That's not what I want to see. <laughs> but I do want to see the characters <laughs> fucking breaking it down. Yeah. George Lucas has got a credit on season two, sorry. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks just turns up. <laughs> I'd watch that. As a host. Is he a host? He must be. 
Well, Jar Jar Binks saves Logan. I think that's what they're getting at. Well, we did mention some, um, like, talking about some tinfoil theories. There is a ridiculous, and I'm, I'm going to call this out here, there is a ridiculous theory um, that one of the other worlds, uh, apart from Westworld, might be called Westeros World and is a Game of Thrones. Oh, well, that might be the worst theory I've ever heard. It's not. It is the worst theory I've so ever heard, it's, but I just had to bring it in. It's, I had to. It's not necessarily... It's a hard one to call a theory because that one is stemmed off of this world that we're living insanity. in right now. It's of from cross, insanity. it's crossover land. You know, mm. mashups. These crossovers. Ah, oh, crossover land. You, you, you see, you see these people mm. pining for crossovers between certain shows, and mm. obviously the fact that HBO have intellectual rights over Game of Thrones and Westworld yeah. now, it creates this amazing opportunity for them to maybe do a crossover. And hey, I'm not ruling it out in the future. It because just really made me chuckle. No, I mean, I don't think it will happen anytime now, but I could easily see in a couple of seasons' time, because obviously Game of Thrones mm. is in its last season next year. Um, there could easily be a point where, and we know that there's four or five Game of Thrones series in development now. Yeah. That outside of the current timeline yeah. of, of Westeros. I'm... So we know that they, that could happen. <clears throat> I'm willing to bet a lot of money. Yes, go uh, on. That will never happen. That will never happen. Because HBO Um, and... uh, Well, look, HB no. Yeah? Yeah, HB no. Uh, What I would suggest is more likely is that maybe in like season three of Westworld, because I think we've got five penned in, haven't we? Five seasons. I think you're right, yeah, yeah. I usually am. Um, Okay. I'm pretty sure that we'll end up in medieval world and maybe what would be cool is if we just got like a... Like a random Easter egg. Just a couple of Easter eggs. Tyrion cameo and a couple of Game of Thrones Easter eggs. Ready Player One World. (laughs) That's always kind of. No, look. uh, uh, The the idea of a crossover like that would be. uh, I think that would kill me. Yeah, I'd almost just not want to watch stuff anymore. It it gave me giggles, so I thought I'd bring it up. I'd I'd go back to. I'd get the old VHS out and. Back onto Little House of the Prairie, I guess. Oh, good. Because I know what I'm getting there. Moving back onto uh, young William, uh, we see a couple of scenes in the trailer of young William approaching a naked sort of host Dolores in the Westworld office complex. It looks like he's a little bit older. So at this point, we understand that William has maybe wrestled some control of the Delos Corporation and is literally in the control centre of, mm. of Westworld as well, beginning to understand the park, beginning yeah. to understand how things work and asserting his control against her and the rest of people like Ford and all this sort of stuff. So that's going to be interesting to see as well, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing him in that natural, like outside of the park. But again, yeah. like trying to follow that plot, mm. knowing that the other plot that you're going to be following is the robots just trying to take over. Yes, um, it could be from Dolores' perspective, though, because we know that she was in. She was the one really reliving these three timelines. Yeah, she was the one with this perspective, and this, and she's still sorting through those muddled timelines and figuring things yeah, we, out. Uh, which so is she'll fine. remember these things, <clears throat> which is fine. But I, I just, I feel like the pacing's going to be off. Yeah, mm. like if if you do the show like that and how it could go uh, yeah. in season two and and beyond. It would just feel like the pacing would be off if, if, because the the beauty of season one is that you would never really know, yeah, what what timeline you're in because yeah. everything is relatively, Muddled. yeah, but but like everything is constant. Yeah, well, the that's only true. thing that changes is the humans. Everything yeah. else is 
static, basically. Apart yeah, from the it? insides that we occasionally see of the yeah, hosts, yeah, yeah. which happens later on, which is the tell of the now the yeah, different time. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if, on the face of it. Yeah, and I think they've got to still go with this time. Obviously, they are because we see young William and Logan. But mm. I think it works. It, and it will work. And I, I, I'm I, sure they'll make it work because they are. They are you know, excellent at what they do. It, yeah, exactly that. But um, I don't know. It just. Uh, or what do you think, Gaz? Like, uh, do you not think that there's there's issues there as as a viewer? Yes, um, theoretically. But then, if if somebody outlined season one and the amount that's going on there to you, you would you probably think the same, wouldn't you? Like, there's a fuck, there's a shitload going on and multiple timelines, and it feels difficult to follow. But it and it is at times. Like there are times where you're like, shit, I don't really know what's happening here. But they they still leave you wanting more, and then by the end it does all come together and make a lot of sense. So hopefully, hopefully you know it um, sounds like a challenge, but it's one that I'm sure they're up to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I subscribe to that. Uh, but as a, as I say, look, the, my only issue there is that when you're watching season one, you don't really know what's going on for the most part. Season two, you watch as an educated viewer, yeah. So you have an expectation that. Yeah, the things that you can be watching are not necessarily taking place at, yeah. at the same time, and you pick up on the tells as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You pick yeah. up on the little, you know, it's a layered show. It's it's a show that it, that requires a rewatch. Yeah, you know, the people coming up with these theories on Reddit or any other forums uh, are not sitting there going, "I've got that on the first watch." Yeah, they're literally analysing frame by frame. They're going through, you know, they're noticing the Westworld. Hey, that Westworld logo was different. Yeah. Oh, that's episode two. Yeah, but you know uh, that, things like that. You just glaze over that. Yeah, 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 you glaze over that in the face. It's like it's like two seconds. You glaze yeah. over it, but that's actually the biggest tell. Yeah. That this is a different timeline. Yeah. So you've got to just understand that you know we'll definitely be watching the episode at least two or three times before we podcast on it. Yeah. And not only that, you know, the fandom are going crazy, and then we pick and in up different on languages theories, and in different languages with subtitles in yeah. front of us. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really cool but I just want to bring it round to the last theory which I think is the most obvious one no is what is Dolores doing in the second season so we get glimpses the whole, all of the trailers centre around her her narrative she's describing the world in which she lives the world in which she's trying to now maybe take control of are we just thinking that her story is a simple hey I'm discovering my consciousness I'm leading a revolution of these sentient robots against the Delos Corporation, which seem to have a sort of special task force out there mm. trying to shoot down the hosts. Because you see um, pictures of uh, the board, members of the board, um, Charlotte Hale, that's her name, isn't it? Charlotte Hale, uh, in body armour, going through the park. Mm. And there's a task force led by Stubbs trying to hunt down these rogue hosts. She's pretend- We know the park is huge. She might be going around the park recruiting more hosts, trying to yeah. make them sentient. Is we do we think that's her storyline for this? Probably aided by Bernard, who seems to not be known to be a host by Stubbs and the others. Yeah, so I guess like uh, for the most part, the the obvious thing to to follow with her is uh, she's going to be battling against uh, that corporation. But yeah, uh, but that isn't. I mean that's not the motivator of uh, of the story in season one. It is no. be, like be free, yeah. And be free isn't you know stay where you are and fight for for like what you want. It's just go and be who you want to be. Like. Yeah. So uh, it's an interesting one. And and look, if you if you were going to be critical about it, uh, you you'd be like, well, 
I mean, that's the story in season two to slow kind of the, the inevitable down, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems like I'm sure with the quality that they have, um, that um, they'll make it seem really, really good. Uh, Somehow. Yeah. Um, but on paper, but on paper, <laughs> it, it seems uh, quite like obvious what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think that Dolores's storyline also <laughs> depends largely on whether Ford is alive or not. Yeah, agreed. And how much Arnold we're going to be seeing in this in yeah. the, in this story, whether his story is told like I know you said earlier, John, that you weren't necessarily keen on seeing more Arnold, but I do think from the trailers, it seems like we'll be seeing more Arnold and Dolores interactions one on one, like we flashbacking. Don't know. Is it Arnold or Bernard? Exactly, and that's a very interesting. It's Bernard. Point to go on. But what we do know <laughs> is Bernard. Um, <laughs> but what we do know is. No matter how much we talk about it right now, Jonathan Nolan, Lisa Joy and all the producers and writers involved are going to be coming up with innovative ways to subvert off what we're thinking yeah. and come up with ways of storytelling that we can't predict. Every time I go into a Nolan type film, I sit there and think, I know how this is going to go. And it never does. And it never does. So I think we should just, you know, buckle up and enjoy the ride. And we'll be here with you all the way to... To go through the theories and say what we think is most likely to happen. So yeah, excited. absolutely. Um, but look, I mean that's uh, that's it. That's um, it. It's it's been a long, <laughs> a long one. It's been a long one. Um, but some interesting debate. I think uh, we're all on board and, and all excited about the new season uh, and the possibilities are endless. Literally. Um, I think it's it's only right to say. Obviously, this is the first of our specific Westworld podcasts um, but that's not to say that that's the only thing we do no. we obviously podcast on other things uh, things being The uh, Walking Dead The Walking Dead uh, which has its series finale um, this Sunday so our well, when this when this podcast comes out, uh, check out if you do like Walking Dead. Please check out our finale of season eight podcast. It is promising to actually be a decent finale unless they fuck it up. Um, but we have a lot of fun with that podcast, and you know we don't take it too seriously. We know it's not of the caliber well, of Westworld, but it, <laughs> but it is a great uh, thing to listen to because it's just fun. Yeah, we exactly also that. Did some really good coverage uh, that we've done over the last couple of months of Stranger Things and Black Mirror, which are a little bit more out there. Yeah, and they're on Netflix, so you can watch those anytime, and they're available on our site, which is fancritical.com, which is also where you can find this podcast. And Gaz, some films too, right? We've covered? Some films have been covered, yeah. Uh, Ready Player One um, was our most recent. You guys did a. Stella podcast on Black Panther fairly recently as well. Um, yeah, very good. And we'll um, we'll be covering uh, Avengers too. Avengers Infinity War. That is going to be that is going to be probably yeah, yeah, that's the thing yeah. I'm most excited about this year. I'd have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so please check us out on fancritical.com. That is where you can find this <laughs> podcast as well. We are a subsidiary of Fancritical. You can pretty much find us anywhere. You'll yeah. find us on Instagram, you'll find us on Twitter, you'll find us on iTunes, you'll find us on Spotify. That's right, Spotify. Uh, so, thanks, Lucy. Bye! Thanks, Len. Ah, uh, cheers, mate, it's been fun. Emma. Thanks, guys. And Gaz. Latest potatoes. Cheers, guys. See you later. These violent delights have violent ends. Mm-hmm.